0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show sponsored by Cheshire Impact on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. There it is, and here we are. Man, I'm excited. I'm always so excited at the beginning, and this is no different. I'm stoked why my guest today, we're going to jam on all the topics I can't wait to talk about, things I've been dying to talk about. And here's a little glimmer. You go, you look him up on LinkedIn, skydiving photo on LinkedIn. Like how cooler can you get than that? And then you dive in, you realize this guy has a passion for B2B, for marketing, most importantly for podcasts. You all know that's near and dear to my heart. He's a thought leader. He's a mentor. He's an entrepreneur. Many, many, many companies. We decided to pick the most important one to tell you about. (laughs) Co-founder and CRO at Speak On Podcasts. Mark Colgan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Casey. I'm really great. uh, Great intro. Thank you. Um, And I'm really, really happy to be here. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah. And now we're streaming here. We're having a live conversation. You're in Portugal right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Lisbon, Portugal, and um, I've got shorts on. I won't stand up, but yeah, the sun's out, and um, I'm very happy.
0: So sun's out, guns out, right? Is that is that how it's supposed to go? I think that's the Vegas saying. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I put a, I put an actual shirt on today for you. I didn't want to do this one <laughs> topless.
0: <laughs> you know, we haven't done a topless podcast yet. Maybe that we'll put that next time. Next time yeah
1: it was summer summer
0: summer season summer season this is the spring it's still (laughs) chilly out so i'm excited to talk to you i i know you you work in podcasts and i can't wait to dive more into all these things but let me pass you something real quick over the ocean it's heavy but i know you work out Ah, here we go okay you got it take it it's thor's hammer
1: i got it yeah yeah hold on okay uh okay
0: okay take thor's (laughs) hammer smash for me some kind of myth Bogus strategy, misconception, just set the record straight once and for all.
1: Yeah, uh, there's so many, Casey. So I I think let, let's just pick, <laughs> p- pick a couple. Um, <clears throat> I think one is the, the misconception around size. Um, and when I say size, I mean, podcast audience size, not, not the other kind of conversation that you can have about that um so well, this is the hardcore
0: marketing show
1: it, it is it is i don't know how hardcore we want to go um <laughs> but no um audience size when it comes to podcasting <clears throat> uh, a lot of conversations that we have with through uh, the customers that we work with that speak on podcasts they say to us like we want to be on the largest podcast we want to be on the ones that have tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of downloads and um i often say to them as like okay yeah okay that's a fairly that's a reasonable question um however they're not going to be the most targeted of all podcasts that are going to have your ideal audience in it's going to be so broad you're going to have lots of people who are listening because they're a fan of the host maybe they're a fan of one or two topics but they're not going to be where your ideal audiences are spending time and one of the stories I tell is I spoke on a podcast which only receives around I think on average 200 to 300 downloads per month which sounds tiny, but that's actually pretty medium when it comes to podcasting because we've just hit two million podcasts that are live on Apple, uh, on, on from the Apple statistics. So there's two million podcasts out there. The majority of those don't get many downloads at all, and that's the, the sad reality of it. Not to not to say that podcasting isn't good if you're not getting downloads, but when you look at size in terms of audience and and you're looking to work out which podcasts to speak on, I always say relevancy first. I would much rather have 30 people who are my ideal audience who have a challenge and a problem that I, that I can help them overcome versus 3,000 people who maybe one or two has the problem. And so going back to the example that I use is that I, I closed four customers off that podcast interview that I did. I was on a podcast speaking about cold email campaigns and the company I worked for sold data and lead enrichment for B2B okay. brands. So as everybody listening to that podcast was looking to improve their cold email campaigns. One part of improving a cold email campaign is having the right data to start with. I talked about what we do with our customers, the campaigns that we run, the successes that we've seen, talked through case studies. I talked through all the, all the fuck ups as well, all the mistakes that, yeah. that I see happening too. But it was really raw, really authentic. And I had eight or nine people connect with me um, after the, you know, within the week of the podcast going live. And I turned four of those into customers. So that's that's a small audience, but it still works. So rather than size, think of relevancy.
0: Right. You could have been on some crazy bullshit podcast that got 10,000 listens. I mean, how does it even, right? 10,000 listens and nobody, maybe they listen to you for like five seconds because you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. I don't want do that. I don't have a, I'm not in marketing. I'm in some completely different other, you know, I saw ice cream at a stand. Like yeah. I don't even know what this is
1: that's it yeah. that, and, and that's it it just comes down to relevance so um size doesn't necessarily matter i think another thing as well is that from a performance marketing point of view we're always looking at the numbers what's the return on ad spend what's our conversion rates of visitors to free trial signups on our website podcasting is a brand building activity it's not it's not necessarily a demand gen or lead generation uh, uh, strategy so i think people just need to think about it and approach it in a slightly different way and i often say What's the return on investment of having your CEO speak to hundreds of ideal customers for 30 minutes, 45 minutes in their ears? That's Mm -hmm. an extremely intimate experience that you've just created for your prospects, for your potential customers who are getting to know, like, and trust your company. And when your CEO or your whoever your thought leader is in the company is out there speaking on multiple podcasts and being heard, when people come to evaluate products, and I'm not going to name any products here, Casey, but If I look at marketing automation, if I look at sales technology, the products pretty much do the same thing. They have a different skin, they call uh, different things differently, but they just do the same thing. Some are easier to
0: use than others. Some
1: are a lot easier to use than others. Yeah. Um, Some have built an ecosystem of people to help you use them. Um, but when you're making an evaluation and, and especially even more so when we're looking at this product led growth where people can sign up themselves, um, who are you? Who is that? If your prospect is listening to you to um, podcasts and they hear you talking about the, the successes that your customers are having or the problems that you're helping people overcome, they're going to more likely have that affinity with your brand over the other, especially when your product is commoditized.
0: Boom, there it is. There we go. <laughs> man, man, the, the, the fiber optic under the ocean just caught on fire.
1: Yeah, I think so. Miles I below so. the ocean.
0: <laughs> there's, there's so many things to unpack here. Um, so a couple things, 2 million podcasts on Apple. Congratulations, everyone. You said, what is middle of the road? 200 downloads. Uh, is that an episode or?
1: Yeah. So it's, so this is what's so difficult. Um, it's such a fragmented distribution of podcasts that even most podcast hosts don't really know, or they can't trust the data that they have in regards to the downloads. You've also got the argument is what's a download and what's a stream. Um, do people download it and even listen to it? Um, it's a bit like ebooks. A lot of people sign up, um, they yeah. download the ebook and, and never look at it as well. So there's no real clear indication as to what the total download stats are. The ones where you find that they do have that data will be the much larger media based podcasts where they're selling sponsorship because they kind of need that data to, to sell the, the sponsorship packaging. Um, I, I, I try to look for the, the stats um, in front. Um, ahead of this call and i didn't have them but casey i'm happy to share them with you um so we can maybe put them in yeah, the show cool. notes but yeah there are a- average numbers of, of downloads um, per episode especially when it comes to the b2b world but again the 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 other point is like just take a step back by having a podcast or by speaking on a podcast you're creating content by just speaking yeah and there's so much you can do with that um, and you know you've got content teams going what do we put in the newsletter this week um, oh, we've got a new product update, and it's like your customers don't care about your product. They want to try and solve a problem, um, but you've just—if you've just had your CMO or CEO talk about overcoming a challenge or some of the challenges that they see coming in the next six months—that's really valuable content that you can share with your with your audience. So, the what you can do with just one interview um, is huge, and I think a lot of people overlook that.
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm finding myself falling into the trap over and over again, like Groundhog Day. We're saying it, really, it's not the size, people. It's the relevancy, it's the audience, and then you have those little, it's these little vanity metrics or whatnot. They just mm-hmm. you're like, oh, so how many downloads? It's how many I'm curious? Oh, yeah. What's my size compared to everybody else? Right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, but then again, you're reminded it, it's not even about that. Um, it, mm-hmm. it it's about the relevant targets. Um, man, I was having a conversation, um, earlier, and someone mentioned that there was a a podcast for um government contracting agents like people who sell bids to the United States and they'll mm-hmm. they buy products for the government and there's like 300 of those people but yeah. half of them listen to this one podcast so yeah they may only have 150 people people listening
1: mm-hmm. but
0: that's the majority of the people listening in a in a very niche group and there's yeah there are. Many, many, many companies that would love to get the attention of those 150 people and Certainly. sponsor that podcast. And it, it, so, yeah, it isn't really about, oh, can we get, there's only 300 those many ways, but man, if you've got a Ooh. sizable showing,
1: yeah. Yeah. And here's the other thing, right? Trade publications and trade magazines for years have been selling sponsorship in their magazines as the whole way they've been able to fund their business. The amount of time. So I used to work in, in recruitment. I used to go to office. I used to door to door kind of go around a business park or like, yeah, lots of different offices. The amount of times I was waiting in a, in a, in an office's reception and they have the trade magazines nicely put on the coffee table with the plastic still on them. So, Yes, they distribute ten thousand copies a week or a hundred thousand copies a week, but how did you ever know what people were, were looking at the advert unless you had a specific number, a specific URL, which is actually quite sophisticated? Um, but That's you true. you didn't. Um yet you were fine because they said it's got sent to a hundred thousand people, but the majority of trade magazines that I ever saw still had the plastic on. I was subscribed to a couple when I was worked in the HR, never opened them. Um I ended up canceling my subscription. Uh, it's just it, it we we're, we're we're so we're so concerned about the numbers and the vanity metrics um, versus what is the long term what is the long term um, positive impact of just getting my message out there to more people.
0: So is there a metric that we could be concerned that's better than some of these other ones, or is even that question wrong?
1: It's it's you know we need to have metrics. We need to justify yeah. that return on on spend uh, for anything that we do um so you there are ways to track it you could look at you know the organic brand and uh, increase in terms of the traffic um what we recommend to a lot of our customers is have a specific landing page and a call to action which you just direct people to so only people that hear the podcast but then even then we say but listen people are in the car people are in the shower people are out on their runs listening to podcasts it's not always going to be directly attributed to it so it's a bit of a tricky one um, but at the same time, I feel a little bit like, well, it's the same as PR has always been and advertising has always been, uh, offline advertising, online advertising, you can track a lot more, but you know, 50% of your marketing is working. You just don't know which 50%.
0: Right. Right, man. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier, the value of being in ears for 30 minutes, if that CEO is in the ears of someone, can you, can you put a value on that? I mean, it's almost like it we're saying it's priceless, but have, has anyone tried to yeah. focusing on brand? Like what, what is the value of that, of that, that, the brain space?
1: Well, look at it in a, in a, so I don't know what the, the actual metric would be, but look yeah. at it in the other way. Like you would go to a conference and you would have to pay to speak on stage and also to have a stand at the exit and an exhibit. Whereas on a podcast, it's completely free. Uh, okay. Some podcasts do charge to, to appear on appear on the show. Really? Um, yeah, they do. They do. Um, but yeah, so you would, uh, you would normally have to pay for that, the privilege to be up there. And obviously when you're up there on stage, you are uh, automatically perceived as a thought leader, somebody who knows what they're talking about, but you can achieve exactly the same thing with podcasts and you can do them virtually, which means you can do more of them as well. So you can cover the market um, without even having to leave your room. Now, Just take one conference where you had to fly from North Carolina to San Francisco, that time it takes the flight, the cost, the hotel, the exhibition cost, not even there anymore. You're just having an hour conversation.
0: Wow. wow! I I love that parallel. There's a simple, if you went to a conference, you would have to pay for that speaking slot. Maybe Mm -hmm. even some people are invited, but if you're trying to interject yourself in there, you're paying some money. You're sponsoring a booth. And that's, that's a number right there. So it's a little different medium, but it's a great parallel to just beginning to talk to the value. And I think the long-term value of even people listening to this podcast, I feel like, um, they probably know me more than I know them, but I want to know them. But, you know, it's like, we've, we've been on this journey together. We've heard each other on these podcasts and, you know, and some, some people reach out, by the way, I love when people reach out, please reach out, say hi, tell me you're yeah. listening. Um, because it's awesome. I love having that mutual connection and saying, "Oh, you're listening. I'm a fan of you too."
1: Um, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's it's really is a for me. It's the relationship, and that that is the the priceless part of it.
1: It is. It's huge. And, and you know, we'll, we'll share something that we spoke very briefly before we went on air. Um, yeah. You asked me if we provided a service. I said that we don't, and you were like, "Oh, actually, I provide that service. Is that right. is that something you'd be interested in partnering in in the future?" And we, we you know, we've just started that conversation because i'm speaking on because i'm speaking on your podcast so a lot of again it's reframing what you want to get out of speaking on podcast It's the relationship you can build with a host um that is also a benefit of speaking on podcasts and that has nothing to do with audience size um it could be that there's a jv opportunity it could be referral could be affiliate a hundred maybe not hundreds of ways but uh, dozens of ways that you can work with each other um and now, you and I are going to speak for, uh, we've spoken for half an hour already. We both enjoyed that conversation. We're going to enjoy today's conversation, and I'm sure we'll speak again in the future. Um, so it's developing these relationships with the influencers in, in, the, uh, in the industry.
0: Yeah, 100%. Next step, clearly beers in the pub, like some kind Absolutely. of drinking activity must con- con- commence next. Is on Yeah, there.
1: well, when we first spoke, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day. So we'll have to make sure we meet up on, on St. Patrick's Day next year when, when we definitely can.
0: Awesome, man! I've got this gigantic, ridiculous—I uh, got it right here. This giant, ridiculous green hat.
1: It's brilliant.
0: There you go. <laughs> and I can only we wear can just this. pretend. Yeah, once a year. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> so yeah, next uh, you know, or buy by next, um, you know, your continent or mine—we'll figure it out. Yeah. So you had mentioned earlier about branding being in your eyes is brand the number one outcome that comes from, I mean, obviously there's a, we just talked to a bunch of them, but is brand, the number
1: one. I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say building that brand, building that awareness. And you know, one of the things as well is you could spend thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads, but when you're spending money on ads, you're interrupting somebody that they are on Facebook. They are browsing the web, they're browsing the internet. And they're being targeted uh, on ads and sometimes followed around. You know, I'm a marketer, right? So I see these things more than maybe your consumers do when they're not marketers. However, you're, inter- you're interrupting me and I'm on Facebook to look at funny cat videos. I'm not necessarily there thinking about buying a new procurement, uh, procuring a new software. When you, when you have people listening to podcasts, they're actively putting their hand up to say, I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn. And I want to learn. That's why I'm subscribed. That's why I listen to every episode that comes on. I trust the host to bring on people who know their stuff and can deliver value. And when you've got people in that mindset, you're finding people potentially a little bit lower in the buyer's journey. Um, And if they're not in the buyer's journey just yet, you're still able to capture them in the top of the funnel in that awareness piece because they're now becoming aware. They're like, oh, didn't realize there was a software for that. Oh, I've been thinking about this, but didn't know that this even existed or this solution existed. So I think when it comes to building brands, podcasting is a great, you know, not just because I have a business in it. I was doing it before I set up speak on podcasts as well, going on podcast, speaking, giving value, sharing as much as I could. Um, partly one of the reasons is I want to rid people of sending crap cold email. Yeah. I get so fed up. It's, it's not hard to get cold email, right? Yet still the majority of people get it completely wrong.
0: Yeah, they, they still do. You know, I really had a nice takeaway when you were saying what you're saying just now the ads interrupt and I love love that you have that expertise in marketing so we can really jam on podcasts and marketing ads interrupt and then I wrote down podcasts serve you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 like a servant thing versus like a take you're not trying to take their attention and take their money you're just like here here is content and the other thing I wrote down um, next to they're putting their hand up is what you'd said was that they trust the host will find good people that they can they want to learn and there's a And I never thought about that before, that it it is kind of like on me to make sure I'm not bringing in some ridiculous hooligan that doesn't know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure there's been instances in the past where you've interviewed somebody and thought, I can't air that. I can't can't share that. I don't think I've ever
0: talked about this. There was one episode... Yeah, I, oh, okay we had it briefly but there was one episode this is like this is like secretive stuff people you don't tell anyone <laughs> else everyone listening uh, so there's one episode that just it was just not good um the person was like I like to use this word grimy like they were they were just mm. it was one of those like SEO weird you know pyramid scheme type people and I was just <laughs> like oh it got the weird feeling on the prep call and the show happened and you could tell this person just trying to scam people so it actually went like eight minutes. And then I called it a day and I was like, thanks for coming. All right. Take yeah. care of everything. Never aired it. The person didn't even realized that. Yeah. We cut it yeah. short. You're like, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, I'm not sure if we spoke about this before. I coach um, outbound sales reps. So sales development reps that are in their zero to six months of their role through the sales wow. impact Academy. So I, I teach a cohort uh, once or twice, sorry, seven times a year. And one of the things I share in there is like my sales strategy is not to sell. It's actually to build a relationship with somebody, have a conversation that leaves them thinking two things. Mark knows his stuff. And I would quite like to go for a beer with Mark if he was ever in my city or town. Like that that's all my motivation. That's all my goal ever is. And I do that with friends. (laughs) I do that with uh, professional life. Is like, give value, share without expecting anything in return and be likable enough that people would grab a coffee or would grab a beer with you if you were ever in town.
0: That's my favorite kind of sales. Because it just feels like you're you're trading baseball cards with friends, you know. You're like yeah, absolutely. not trying to get something over someone. I love that yeah, share I, without expecting something in return.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, when you have that mentality, it removes the ego away from things as well. Because I think a lot of salespeople and and it's not it's not just the salespeople, it's the companies. The companies place themselves as the hero in the journey of the customer, mm. but nobody wants like your customers are the hero. And you, as the company, and you, as your product or service, you're the guide. You're not the hero. You're helping your customer become the hero. So you are Yoda to Skywalker. You are um, Q to James Bond. It's you. You've got to position yourself as the guide and become that known, like and trusted individual that people come to to get some no BS advice. Like I. I I don't sell things to people if I don't think I can help them. And I'll say, no, right. we can't help you, but here's who can go and go and speak to Michael. He's a, he's a great guy. He's, he's much more, he's much better set up to help you with your specific needs right now, because I've never had a happy customer. Um, that I, I I've, I've worked before where other people were doing the selling and I was kind of taking them through the onboarding and they were completely missold, uh, what mm. they, what they had thought and they just churned. And yes, the the salesperson got their commission, but <clears throat> for the long time revenue growth of the business, it was working against us.
0: Yeah, that short, that short-sighted, short-term play just ugh, it never, never really works out for anyone. It doesn't really work out for the sales rep in the long run either, because no. there's some great renewals they could have gotten from that, or some great referrals and all those things, and you get none of that when you trick people. Expectation setting is just so critical. It's crazy. Yeah,
1: and and also <clears throat> another thing as well. And we are really riffing here, so um, stop me if if you want, but. Um, one of the other things as well is like people buy from people and it's, it's a bit cliche, but I've got customers now at speak on podcasts that I worked with in the previous company I ran and I've previously worked with them in a different company. They just come with me because they know, you know, I don't have the Midas touch, not everything I do turns into gold, but they trust that I will go and work for a company or build a company that delivers really good value solving a problem that they have. Um, and I think, yes, that short term mindset is there, but I get it. You know, I get it when I speak to the sales of Emerald reps, they've got to book 20 meetings, they've got to make X amount of dials, they have to do this, they have to do that. And it's all done by month and quarter. So I get it. But the most successful reps that I coach and that I see go on to do even better, take that step back, take the long term view and thinking I am going to be selling something and even if it's just yourself for the rest of my life. Yeah. So how do I do that in a credible and authentic way now? And how will that benefit me in the future? And you might not know how it's going to benefit you in the future, but if you do, if you do good, you give value, you're authentic and likable, you're never going to have a problem selling anything.
0: Boom. Dude, what do you yeah. not do? <laughs> Training sales reps, you starting companies, getting people on podcasts, which we will definitely talk about in, in a little bit. Um, man, you're busy. I don't guy. sleep. <laughs> no sleep. Maybe
1: that's it. No, I do sleep. I sleep like a baby actually.
0: Is particular amount of hours a night or is it, you kind of wing it and you're, you're in Portugal. So are you partying like crazy and you're waking up at like 4 PM or.
1: Well, I'm, I'm actually almost two, almost two months into this challenge of called 75 hard, where it's 75 days of exercise, You've Got to exercise twice a day, no alcohol, no cheat meals, no, uh, you got to read ten pages of it. You got to take a, a profile, uh, like a, a, pro, pro, a progression pick. If you fail any one of these things, you have to start from day one. So God. I've, got, I'm much more disciplined at the moment. Uh, my routine is is pretty tight. Um, I get about seven hours of sleep.
0: Seventy five hard. So okay. So yeah, I'm curious now. So in you got okay. So tell me what what are the different things you got to do. So no drinking.
1: You got no, no drinking alcohol. You have to stick to a meal plan. It doesn't say it has to be a specific plan, but you have to stick to a meal plan. Um, You can't have any cheat meals that are outside of that meal plan. Um, You've got to work out twice a day. One of those workouts has to be outside and it's for 45 minutes each workout. So it's an hour and a half of working out each day. You have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book and you have to take a progress picture every day. I hate routine. I I quite like spontaneity. So I struggled with it at the beginning, but since I've got into the groove of it, it's become a new habit. It's completely fine. I've lost over a stone and a half of of weight. I had a very social Christmas and New Year in in Portugal. Came back and I was like, I need to do something about this. But um, just a real simple thing, Casey, is that uh, going to bed at night, I work hard. I, I turn off the laptop as, you know, as, as early as I can. But when you run a business, there's lots of things that come up, especially when you're a remote company. Um, and there'll be some nights where I'd be watching Netflix and I'd be like, I worked hard today. I'm going to just watch another episode. Like I deserve this. I'm, I'm going to reward myself and unwind by watching an extra episode. It'll get to one, maybe one 30. Yeah. Then I'd have to, then I'd have to stop. And then I'd wake up the next day feeling a little bit tired and, and uh knowing that i should have gone to sleep earlier whereas by doing this 75 hard challenge it's kind of i i don't watch and, or binge anymore everything is a little bit more everything is more controlled and, and a lot more planned which is which has been great for me
0: are you gonna like go to <clears> the <throat> a- after you're done the challenge and just rage hard after this structure or do you think you're going to continue it because it sounds like I'm- some legit structure
1: yeah it is and, and it's taught it's they've the, Andy Frisella who's the guy who invented it he it says it's very much a mental challenge it's a mental fitness rather than it's the physical because really you could for your two workouts just go for a walk if, if you wanted to I, I haven't I've been been doing different types of workouts but what I'm going to do I'm missing the fun side of things because this really doesn't I had to go to the tax office today and I then couldn't do my workout in the morning so now I've got to do my workout in the evening and it's messed up my whole schedule i don't like that part of it but i will certainly keep up certain parts uh, of of the uh, of the program whether or not i do it as strictly probably not um, but you know my friends like oh what are you going to eat first what, what are you going to go and get, grab some beers and i was like i probably will in in the first week i definitely want a pizza i definitely want a couple of beers with some friends but i've just i've just uh, i've just got so much out of doing this exercise so far that i'm probably going to uh, be much more clean and more disciplined in my life moving forward. That's
0: interesting, man. I, I yeah. those kind of challenges, especially the short term ones where you can just sort of like, I'll have to check this out because, uh, last year, you know, every now and then different months I'll make up for a month, like this challenge. So I remember last January was like salad January right okay if i wanted something to eat i could only eat a salad now uh-huh. I have a steak but had to be on a bed of salad like it was yeah all intents and purposes if you bought it at a restaurant it would be have to be under the salad category nice. um, and in the you know the day, first day of february the first thing i ate was a salad because i was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know i just never uh, fine i you know yeah. um so some of those things continue on but yeah, yeah having well, those cleanses are really powerful
1: and it's 75 days because he believes that 30 days isn't long enough to, to really form a life-changing habit. Yes, it's enough to give totally. you some short-term results, but not a lot enough for a long-term habit. Like, for example, I come from uh, quite a big Irish family. I'm a very social person. Enjoy a beer with some friends. I'm quite ha- My arm can get twisted so easy. It's like, Mark, do you want, do you want to come and grab some beers? Like, come yes, on, man. absolutely. Come go. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas I, I've um, tried a couple of non-alcoholic beers, uh, 0% beer. Same taste, no drunkness. Uh, and a lot more healthy for you so I think for me in in the future I've got no problem with going out to see my friends still being social but just having a non-alcoholic beer because I don't want it to you know I don't want to feel groggy or a little bit hungover the next day or put unnecessary calories in 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 my body so um, that was something that's definitely definitely changed and I haven't even finished yet but I'm already thinking zero percent beer get nice taste cold refreshing beer uh, especially sitting out in the sun it's lovely Um, but then you don't have any of the negative um, uh, effects of it
0: you don't have to walk it off later. Yeah. To, yeah, exactly. Point. You know, whenever you can give up something, I found that it, it, it kind of helps you see if you were using it as a crutch or as like some kind of self-medication, whether it's alcohol or food or mm. any kind of activity, you're like, yeah, I was totally using that to yeah. stress when, you know, and well, what am I going to use do now? I guess I should probably go work out, you know, instead of yeah. using some, you know, candy or chocolate or whatever that vice my i mean i'm sure everyone listening has something
1: yeah of course. when you
0: give that particular thing up for just a little bit you realize yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that was my go-to and, and i don't need it anymore like i it's don't not, need it anymore it, i don't the, need it yeah, yeah. i'm not dependent on it yeah
0: sick well quick question you're so organized you got all these things going for you what keeps you up at night whether in the marketing world the podcast world what mm. what are the what are the challenges that you have and that you're really kind of contemplating and i'm sure you're not staying up late because you're going right to bed because the 75 challenge but what 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 kind of is on your mind these days
1: yeah i I have an ongoing joke with my team at speaking podcast and we've grown to about 16 people now and um i am militant thank you i'm militant when it comes to consistency in fonts and formatting of all the spreadsheets and all the working documents that we have because i believe the way you do one thing is how you do everything if you've got different font sizes, different font types, different <laughs> different bold, different colors, um, it, it just creates, and, and what what doesn't help is just not scalable. So when one person is ill and somebody has to take over, it makes it harder for people. So I'm always thinking of the long-term, whereas I know that my team think in the daily, the weekly, monthly tasks that they have, I'm thinking yearly. Um, so I joke with them and say that I get notifications on my phone when a, when a spreadsheet is filled in with the wrong font and the wrong size. And I was like, that's what keeps me up at night. Uh, it's an ongoing joke that we have. But I think what that really comes down to is quality. That's what yeah. keeps me up at night, is how do I hire on a consistent basis, train and onboard people in a consistent way that ensures the quality of our service is um, remains the same, and if not improves over time. So it's about finding the right people, and then also once those right people are in, it's how do I nurture this culture of continuous improvement and also caring for, about what they do. I don't want people coming in just to follow a checklist. I want people to come in and care and question as well. Uh, so yeah, hiring and people is, is what keeps me up at night.
0: And the right people just solves the problems, you know, oh, <laughs> the wrong people yeah. creates the problems. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a challenge. How, what's exciting you about the, the changes these days in the industry and, you know, podcasting and the way it's going, where do you see it going and what's got you excited?
1: So I think if I take a step back, one of the things that excites me the most is that, and unfortunately it took COVID for this to kind of happen, is the shift in the, the industry of people saying, let's lead with empathy. Um, let's care what our customers are going through. Now, I've always cared what my customers were going through and I've always had empathy, uh, but I think it forced a lot of companies to reevaluate the way that they market and the way that they communicate and what content they produce. I loved it this time last year amount of big brands that were collaborating with each other to produce content about you know I'm in the sales industry so it's like how do you have SDRs sales development reps working from home how do you coach people when you're in a remote environment you would have Gong and you would have John Barrows joining forces putting their network together creating content that was really helping people and I think what I've seen is that more and more people have taken that approach into their content strategy moving forward. So that excites me because it's more valuable content and it raises the bar and it means that kind of like shit marketing doesn't work as much anymore because that annoys me when there's a bad product that's marketed well, um, but it it just isn't a great product. It's not a good experience. I I really don't like that because you're beating somebody who has a better product, but maybe doesn't have the resource that that they have. What else excites me? I think the growth of podcasting uh, obviously excites me from a business point of view as well. Um, One of the non-business things that excites me about podcasting is that so many people can learn i've got um a friend of mine has a has a girlfriend who has just finished university she didn't study marketing but is thinking about doing a master's or further education in marketing and i and i i I didn't say this straight away because i've learned not to (laughs) not to answer questions when i wasn't asked for the answer or for the help Um, but i was like you don't need to go to university to study marketing you can use the hubspot blog look at um impact a really great inbound marketing agency uh, which is a hubs for partner they've got amazing free resources you've got moz and sem rush yeah. for seo you know all of these big software companies who are kind of the 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 giants in the category of producing content to help you and then podcasts are just a perfect way to find out what's happening right now so claude hopkins scientific advertising if you want to understand marketing and advertising and psychology it was it was written Decades ago, but it's still relevant. If you want to find out how to leverage TikTok or Clubhouse for your for your business, listen to podcasts. So get the theory from the books, and then listen to the tactics and what's working right now from from podcasts. And I just think the more podcasts there are, even if it has a small audience, but if they're delivering value, it's really really good.
0: So true. That combination is powerful. Did you just mention a book just now?
1: Yeah, um, it's Claude Hopkins' Scientific Advertising. I can't remember when it originally came out, but he's one of the godfathers of, I guess, direct copy and direct response, copywriting and advertising. Um, he's behind some very, very famous ads. I think the, um, I know I'm not going to even attempt because I'll, I'll get it confused with somebody else, but so the old, um, print ads was Claude Hopkins.
0: Okay, great. I'll have to check that out. No worries. Wow. The things you learn on podcasts, things I learn okay. on podcasts, yeah. you know, yeah. my, my, my question next for you is, is just really like, who are you? You seem superhuman. You're doing the 75 hard thing. You're drinking non-alcoholic beer. You're running like nine different companies. You're training people in the sales side with John and, and Gong and all these other people. Who are you? Who is this guy? Can you take uh, me back in time I'm- to like little Mark days? And what was it like? Did you always know you're going to be creating empires of <laughs> mass proportions?
1: no to, to be honest I, I i was a good student in the sense that i was pretty academic um but i wasn't the best i think my my grades are all uh c's b's and c's i've got a couple of a's i think in, in the subjects that i was interested in yeah. what i learned is when i'm interested in something i will learn it and i will master that particular thing um so um talk about soccer a lot of my friends follow fo- follow soccer, football. Um, I just don't have that much of an active interest in it. I, at the beginning of every season, I'm just like, I'm gonna keep on top of the Premier League. I'm gonna know who's playing who, what the scores were. It just goes in one ear and out the other because <laughs> I'm just not that interested. Yeah. And unfortunately learning languages, I really struggle because again, I come from a very uh, lucky place where I was born in the UK, I speak English and you go to foreign countries and a lot of other people speak English. So is there a need for me to learn English? No. So when that need isn't there, I really struggle to, 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 to make the space in my brain to learn it. But you asked me for an introduction to anybody in marketing or sales that works in a specific category or industry, and I can reel off their name straight away. But go, going, sorry, going back, um, yeah, yeah. I was re- relatively a- academic, but my mum and dad uh, always worked for large companies uh, my mum was a, um, a career executive assistant, personal assistant, working for some of the largest companies like GlaxoSmithKline and BA wow. um, and BP. Uh, my dad worked for 30 years for the same company. And whenever I was growing up, it was go to school, work hard, get a, get a good job or get a job uh, and they'll look after you. And in 2007, 2008, just when I was in my second year of university, my, uh, my dad was made redundant and he rang me. And he said, uh, Mark, I'm, I'm really sorry, but um, everything I told you was was completely wrong. Like it's not as secure as I was led to believe. I've worked for this company for 29, 30 years and they just made me redundant. Like they don't reward you for that, um, <clears throat> for that loyalty. So that kind of started to trigger a little bit of the, my way of thinking, started to become a little bit different. But I went into the corporate world. I, I went and joined um, one of the largest recruitment companies and got some really good training. Uh, in recruitment and account management when I first started working. Then I went to a smaller recruitment agency where it was really scrappy. It was hand-to-hand combat. It was boiler room, pick up the phone, smile and dial, money comes out. uh, The more dials you make, the more money you make. And um, it just taught me to be really scrappy with with stuff. And by that, I mean not necessarily doing bad things to, to, to get what you want, but going above and beyond and doing things differently. Um, if, if, if you're, if your, uh, colleagues are doing this and that, and they're getting these results, you can do the same and get the same results. But if you do something differently, you have the opportunity to create more or get better results. And after working in the corporate world, I went into HR internal. Um, I saw the boxes that people were put in and I would have, <clears throat> I would have <clears throat> lots of, uh, excuse me one second.
0: Yeah, no worries, man. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, I normally rag on HR because um, what I've experienced is HR is either amazingly brilliant or absolutely terrible. And, I, and there's not too many yeah. in between. Um, That's true. Yeah.
1: I, I would be in interviews with, um, uh, I was, funny enough, recruiting sales and marketing people for this big, large company. And uh, the sales uh, account manager will come to me and go, Mark, I want to apply for this role. And I'd say, sorry, Steve, you can't because you're a grade F and this role is a grade D. You can't jump from F to D. Um, you have to go up to E, uh, you know, in, in the employee grading. Every large company ha- has these. Um, and, and then he said, so if I left and came back in 12 months, I could apply for that role, that that, that category. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's I would be able to look at your application because... you know and you know he didn't then go off and leave but people did that Mm. and i saw people just going like this between the two competitors just to move up and i just thought i do not want to be in this situation where i'm put in a box Uh, i was called a renegade or a lone wolf as well um when i worked in this I, i was brought into this hr function with this specific instruction to bring your agency experience, your hunger, your hunting, to bring in and, and, and find people, but don't go and headhunt people from the comp- competition. You're not allowed to do that. But go out and find people. Reduce our agency spend. I reduced our agency spend so much that it made the the rest of my team look really, really bad. And then the the head of talent was like, "Stop being such a lone wolf. You're 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 making everybody uh, look look bad." Um, So I was just like, this isn't for me where I can't go out and practice and and use utilize my skill and my craft because it's making other people look bad. Yet it's creating amazing results for the business. Why would I want to do that day in, day out? Why would I want to constantly not be my best uh, just because of everybody else? So that kind of gave me a little bit of an anti-corporate or stick it to the man. I don't want to be (laughs) put in the box. Um, over the subsequent years, I, I went and worked um, in marketing. I was the first, mar- the first digital marketer, which allowed me to start building the stuff. <clears throat> so whether that be building the website, building out the CRM, the marketing automation. And I think I, a bit of luck in terms of timing, there wasn't really many people that knew how to Im- implement HubSpot. And if I look at the two more, most previous roles that I was employed... I was employed basically because I implemented HubSpot in the previous company and they needed somebody to come in to implement HubSpot and, and, and digitalize their marketing function. Um, and that's what I did. Um, then I went traveling for a year. I took an early retirement, um, didn't have enough money. So I could only go away for a year. <laughs> um,
0: but, early retirement with 30 bucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, I saved enough money so that I could have put down on a mortgage. And if I'm honest, Casey, I just bought, f this i'm just going to go and have fun for a year so i traveled um whilst i did travel one of my old bosses got in touch with me and said would you be able to help one of my friend's companies build out their hubspot uh implementation and i said "Mm, yes i can but i don't really want to and he said mark you name a price that you're happy with make it a big price if they say yes you have to be happy with that and you have to be available to, to actually do the work if they say no then you can that's fine so I named a price, which was far more than I'd ever kind of thought of quoting at all for this sort of work, and they said yes. And then I just thought, wow, I am in Santiago, Chile. I'm wow. staying. I've just extended the seven seven extra days in a hostel. I've booked a really nice hotel for a couple of nights to spend some of the money I just just earned. Um, I can do this from wherever. It's a skill that's in demand, and um, and it's it, it pays well. And I, this could be what I do uh, in for the rest of my life. So. Wow. That, that moment for me was I'm not going back to a nine-to-five job. And I've, I've never looked back since.
0: So you've traveled around and you've been remote. So you're in Portugal now. You were in Chile then. Portugal now. Where else have you? has this gypsy Ooh. journey taken you, this digital yeah. marketing?
1: So so I, I went to South America for six months and then Southeast Asia for six months. And that was mainly just traveling, no work. Okay. And then I came back to London for six or nine months and I'd caught the bug of travel I knew I could just pick up my laptop and go and work from anywhere. And I just thought, why am I? I love my family, love my friends, but I don't need to be here. Um, And I always had that desire to go and explore somewhere else. Um, So then I went to Thailand. So this is working now, having my own business. Um, Thailand, Hong Kong, um, no, not Hong Kong, (laughs) Thailand, Malaysia, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, uh, the Philippines, um, also Bali for a few months went to europe over summer to i just basically and go this where is my why friends you're working are too right yeah yeah exactly like i, I went for two months in greece because two of my friends they're married they run a company out there love them to pieces and i can just go and chill, chill with them for, for two months uh, in <laughs> greece and, and they move on somewhere else and just kind of follow some friends around or friends come to me it's just it's ultimate freedom and um yeah it's uh, it's something that i, I really enjoy
0: and you're still, you're still moving around. It's still.
1: Yeah. So no, So that's a good question. So I've yeah. stopped the, I've stopped the travel one because of COVID. So you can't travel oh, good, as much at, at yeah. the moment. However, my parents have just retired and moved to Spain, which is like the a very typical British thing to do Is you retire and move to the Costa del Sol. Um, oh, is that they, the thing? It's
0: not, you don't go to Provence, you go to, you go to Spain.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, you know, F- Florida, I think, in the US is where everyone goes to retire, right? Um, <laughs> it's like they're Florida? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty that's much. awesome. Um, so they've moved and they're selling They're selling the family house in, in the UK. And I've always had that as a base. So my parents, have, I'm 33, but my parents always said, there's a room here, you ever need to come back, you can come back, you always can come home. Um, so go off, do whatever you want to do. And I think that's one thing I'm very thankful and very grateful for to my family is that They've always encouraged me to try something. And if yeah. I fail or it doesn't work out, not whether I fail, it just didn't work out, that's fine. So I had such a safe environment to try and experiment and yeah. to go and leap and try new things. And if they didn't work out, there was no consequences of doing so. So I'm very lucky and very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, they've just moved to Spain and I don't have a base now, of course. I can go, I'm gonna visit them next month in, in Spain. Um, but I decided that actually I want to have a base somewhere um, so that I can, uh, yeah, I can, I can put some roots down and, and I, I'm, like I said, a very social person. I have no problem meeting new friends and making new friends, but I started to miss the friends that I've met six months ago that I, I only met for six months and then had to move on and it all became very transient and I wanted a little bit more stability. So, and then Brexit happened oh. and, um, I can, I now have European residency because I applied for it before Brexit, uh, came into effect. So I'm a European citizen, not a, not a, in, for the purpose of traveling around Europe, I can travel like another, like an other European citizen, not like a, a British person can now because of Brexit.
0: Ooh. So it, what, what changed for you when that happened? Like what happens or not for you, because you got the residency mm-hmm. in, the, in the EU. If, Is it much harder if now?
1: If I didn't have the residency, <clears throat> I may have to, in the, the individual European countries I go to, I'd have to apply potentially for a visa, to go in and that visa may only be for 30 days it's still so fluid um mm. and i think it will be for the next couple of years but in three years four years time it's going to be no you you, you can't come in this country without that visa so um that uh, i can't remember what the um the terminology is but it's that freedom of freedom of travel mm. i i have that now which is what we've always enjoyed being part of the eu um but we don't don't have that anymore as as you as uh, so that lets you stay
0: in it. Portugal for however long you want and you don't have to worry about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then after five years, I can apply to become a legal uh, citizen and resident. In, uh, yeah. Legal citizen within uh, Portugal too. Is that
0: the plan? Are, is the base there? Where's the Yeah, base? potentially.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's amazing people, beautiful city, um, great cost of living. And um, there's beaches, there's sun. I, uh, yeah, I What's kind the city
0: of... called in Portugal? Lisbon. Oh, you're in Lisbon. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm pretty much right in the in, in the middle of Lisbon in, in a place called Santosh. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, it's just, got, if, if I, if I drew a checklist, I didn't actually put a checklist together and I was ticking off boxes. This Lisbon has everything.
0: Wow. Look at, it. I'm just a little Google map action here. Wow. <laughs> so it has everything, huh? So it, see, I, I really respect you saying that because I know you've been to a lot of places, so all the Southeast Asia and Thailand and, and South America, Portugal. What, what about yeah. that speaks to you so, most?
1: so for me, it's it's the perfect combination of a laid back and relaxed culture, yet things still work. Um, and there's not as much corruption here. So to give some context, in Bali, you're driving on a motorbike, the police will pull you over and they'll say that they're fining you and you just have to give them some money and then you can drive on. That's just the way that it's accepted that they do and they make money out of tourists that way. Um, South America, I didn't really experience that, but I definitely did pay the gringo tax. I'm obviously not from uh, Colombia. As soon as I start speaking, they can hear my accent and they definitely know I'm not from the area. And you just get right. charged a lot more uh, for things just just in general. Right. Uh, and that's not Colombia. Sorry. That's just in general in traveling uh, as a tourist There's usually like a tourist tax um but portugal is just perfectly in the middle like things work there is efficiency you know it's pretty slow and laid back but you've just got to adapt to that um but like, like i said the, the people here are great there's a great expat community there's there's good integration with the locals i'm volunteering here as well doing cv editing uh, for migrants that are uh, here in lisbon there's, oh, ju- nice. there's just so much to offer um so yeah it's uh, uh, when you can live anywhere it's a big decision to pick one place to to live for a while but like i said it, it it felt right it feels right
0: so that home base is there or yeah potentially is
1: potentially yeah congratulations yeah, man <laughs> thank you thank you how's your portuguese uh terrible um it's <laughs> really 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 not too good but um something i should definitely work on when i find the time
0: <laughs> yeah you hit the Pimsler or the rosetta stone or yeah to- add those things in there. Wow. Uh, well, you know, tell me a little bit you eventually I know you've started a lot of a lot of companies and endeavors. I'd love to hear about the speak on podcast because it, we talked a little bit about podcasts earlier and it's a company you founded obviously to help people speak on podcasts, but I'd love to hear about even just this concept because it's a new type of company or it seems yeah. like it is.
1: Yeah. So, so where, it, where it started was I was previously running a 100-person remote business called Task Drive. And I, I was brought in as the general manager to mainly fix things, make things more efficient and then help with the sales process and, and put in a more repeatable, scalable sales process. And I kind of within a year, I did that. Um, and I was getting I kind of did everything that I was I was supposed to. do. I built the things that I needed to build. And then I was almost like an architect looking at the final complete building, thinking like, well, oh, my, my work here is done. Yeah. Where's the next project, When where where does that start? In the last uh, four months of, of, of working there, I was actually pitching myself and some of the co-founders onto podcasts. Uh, one was in e-commerce, one was in around coaching, I was around sales, uh, and I managed to secure around 35, 40 podcasts in about three or four months. And I thought, this is great because I'm a recruiter and I'm doing matchmaking, just like I used to match people people to jobs. In, instead, I'm matching people to podcasts. Um, and then it's all outbound uh, sales. It's uh, rather than pitching about a product or service, I'm introducing a guest or the idea of a it guest. It is like to recruiting. I, totally, I yeah. totally see that. So yeah. it's, it's recruiting and it's outbound sales, two things that I know very, very well. Um, so I thought I'm good at it. It's working. And there must be a need for people out there that need, need the help with this. Um, now, like with most services cases, you'll know, especially with your marketing background, you could learn to do it yourself if, if you had the time and if that's what your focus was and we often work with companies and, and people and if they're not quite the right fit for us we might say you know here's how you do it yourself and here's a guide we've put together because you're just not at the stage where you know i don't want to take the majority the lion's share of your budget to get you on podcasts when actually you need leads and lead gen and this isn't the best strategy for you but if you right. want to do it here's the guide to of how you can do that um, so, yeah, I st- had been doing it, got some success, um, as in seeing the positive impact. Q1 of 2020, just before COVID hit, 40% of revenue at Task Drive was attributed to a podcast. Jeez! Again, I I was, a very, I was in a great niche. I had a very different message to everybody else. And I talked very elo- eloquently about the problems we help people solve. So uh, I think there's a mixture of my kind of public speaking ability as well as the, the niche market. Um, but yeah, so after after that, I kind of spoke to the CEO and I said, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing doing my own thing. I want to build something from scratch because I came in and uh, I fixed a lot of things in this business, which I would never have set up in that way the first time. Right. So I was Somebody like, I want is. a build yeah. yeah yeah and and uh, as much as i enjoyed it i was like i want a blank canvas where i can build it quote unquote perfectly from right. from from scratch um and as as i had this conversation with the ceo he completely respected where i was coming from completely could see that i was more passionate to do my own thing and um, he introduced me to my now co-founder yakub who was also running his own business but it was just him doing podcast guest outreach to people interesting and we had a conversation, we had, I think it was an hour conversation and right at the end of the call, I was like, you seem like a good guy. I hope you think I'm a good guy. Why fight each other and compete when we could probably join forces and build something quicker and bigger than we could do individually. Yeah. Um, we, we started from there, we'd never met. He lives in Czech Republic. I was living in Greece, I think at the time. Um, and we, we started building this business together in January. So from January, we just had me and him, no revenue, um, no, no team members. Uh, and now we've we've just this week uh, hired our sixteenth uh, team member wow. uh, completely across the the globe. Now and it's getting to the point where I have to really look at everybody's names. Like when everybody joins Zoom, I'm just like, who's missing? There's somebody <laughs> missing, but there's so many faces to kind of take in. I'm just like, oh, it's uh, it's Julia. We'll, we'll 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 see where she is. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that's, it's been a nine month journey, but it's been an incredible journey so far.
0: Sick man. It seems like. It, it's almost like modern pr you know it, Yeah,
1: it is we've actually got um we're, we're rebranding at the moment we're not ready to launch and we, we've one of our uh, one of our branding mock ups says fpr um nice. because yeah we, we're not sure how much we're going to push this but you know i can't remember the last time i read a press release and thought oh i'm going to go and check out that company right you know and 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 so many brands are still doing press release and i and i get yes for media relations especially if you're raising funds and going through fundraising it, it, that is important but for the b2b SaaS companies that i've worked with for the last seven eight years putting out a press release knowing that the majority of people aren't going to pick it up those that pick it up will post it and no one's going to read it and it's actually not it's, it's all about you it's not about yeah. your customer and not about the problem and challenges that you help overcome it's just shit it doesn't work um and that's my honest opinion maybe that should have been the first thing that uh, we we spoke about uh as, as a myth um and also yeah but uh, pr in my opinion is very company centric we're doing this mm. this is what we're doing um whereas when you're speaking on podcasts as a medium or even content it doesn't have to be podcasts but content uh, if you're solving the problems that your customers have you're giving you're encouraging the right sort of people to come into your universe your wheelhouse and then uh, and then you can eventually um that they'll convert and you'll sell to them so Jeez. Yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent there but that's uh hopefully answered a few few questions
0: no no I, and i gotta introduce you to uh kj um carla joe she runs a, a pr firm but she calls it anti-pr
1: nice yeah
0: she just can't handle the the crap that's out there so I, you guys would be fun together especially if you yeah. do go with that brand definitely you, uh, throw definitely. a little shade at the pr you know the old school <laughs> pr like what what would i hire you for but i would definitely hire you to get on some podcasts and because because the journals the journalists of today are, are it's the micro journalism right it's the it's not the big abc nbc it's it's the 100 or maybe the top 10 influencing mm-hmm. podcasts in a particular area or for a particular audience yeah,
1: group. And, but again i so i'm listening to a book at the moment um it's, it's really about launching products so this is something i i don't really read books about um podcasts i, I read kind of things on the tertiary that I can then uh, introduce in totally. what I'm doing. Totally. So th- this book is about uh, 12 months to a million. Um, he previously sold a protein. I think it was a protein powder business. God, that's what uh, they always supplement. do. It.
0: They always sell protein yeah. and they get yeah, frigging vitamin people. drive me bonkers. Tim Ferriss yeah, the same thing and he's, yeah.
1: Well, he talks about Tim. He also talks about J- Joe Rogan and what, yep. if you've got a direct to consumer brand um, and you have an influencer like Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan mention the brand or if it's nootropics and Joe Rogan actually became a partner in one of the kind of he's using examples as he talks through the book. He's like
0: on it, right? He's using doing the on it. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 and um, yeah, it was on it. So it was the guy that originally founded on it. He he met Joe Rogan, went for lunch with him. Don't know how that happened, but went for lunch. He <laughs> didn't have a nootropics uh, thing. He just asked Joe, "What you're interested in right now?" Joe Rogan said nootropics, and he said, "I'll build. I'm going to create the best nootropics supplement." He had no idea what he was doing. He went off research. Six months later, comes back, presents it. Uh, and the rest is history you know obviously a lot more goes into these yeah. things but um if you've got a direct to consumer brand going on these much large podcasts with huge reach and a broad reach is fine because if it's a if if you have a fitness related thing or or productivity or self development then there are a yeah. great podcasts to go out for but when it comes to b2b specifically and then you look at pr you've got influencer marketing um which whatever's worked in B2C three or four years ago is going to what usually work in one shape or form in B2B a few years later. So really getting into podcasts and getting speaking on podcasts right now, this evergreen content that you're going to have forever. Uh, And that's why, so you actually asked what, I haven't explained what we do. (laughs) I'm not really here to like, you know, do do a sales pitch, but but we we help our customers speak on um, 24 podcasts in six months. That's kind of the engagement that we have with them. And some people say that's too much. Other people say they want more. Um, But we find that um, having that consistent uh, story out there on several different podcasts over a longer period of time. But what's great is evergreen. So I get people replying to me saying, Mark, I really enjoyed your interview with Brian Burns on the Brutal Truth show. I recorded that 14, 15 months ago, but I still get people connecting with me because people go to podcasts to solve a problem um oftentimes they go there go there to, so that, like i said i learn what's working now by listening to podcasts not reading a book that came out 10 years ago because that book's already out of date by the time the book is written then published through the publishing houses it's already out of date uh, i studied marketing at university we didn't even learn about digital marketing i know i know it's just it, you can't the, the process of a book can't keep up with it but a podcast can because i could try something tomorrow call you casey and say hey casey this worked can we talk about it we could do a live and it will be out there the same day Mm -hmm. um and that's the power that podcast and the medium of podcasting has
0: yeah it really is instantaneous especially Mm -hmm. if we're we're riffing off each other coming up with ideas and you know i'm even thinking about you know how company that creates podcasts can partner with a company that books podcasts and there's some like there's some there's some there's a value that goes kind sort of circles around. And then if I have access to a network of 50 podcasts that specifically target the thing that you're interested in targeting, there's some value to you. And, and so it just, it's cool. We can riff on these things. We can create them tomorrow and people yeah. can learn and be inspired from our conversation. Definitely. today.
1: And, and, and to any, to any company starting out now and they haven't started their marketing, they don't know where to start with their content strategy what I would personally do is do discovery calls with potential customers yeah. and just, just do a workshop with them and say, look, we're going to record this and, and we're going to chop it up into a blog post. We're going to, we're going to chop it up. So I, I mentor some startups through the Growth Mentor platform. You see all these things on my LinkedIn case. You, know, you referenced it before. Not all of these is a full-time job. Some of them <laughs> is very much as and when uh, I get the call and then I jump in and help out. So uh, the coaching side of things is very much um, reactive. It's not, it's not something that I'm doing day in, day out. But I just had a call today with somebody who um, they have an online course platform. They sell in the Netherlands and to Belgium. Um, and I asked him, he's, he's kind of got to a point where he's stuck with his marketing. And mm. we had a 20 minute conversation. And he said within 10 minutes, he got the answer he was looking for. And then we riffed on some other things as well. Now, if you are somebody who has a level of domain knowledge expertise, just offer your time to people. Uh, you'll get, I, I always get asked, what's the best CRM? And I say, how long is a piece of string? Like there is no silver bullet. It depends on your service. It depends on your integrations that you need. I get that question all the time, but I could answer that question in 20 different ways, depending on who's asking me that question. Sure. So that's 20 pieces of content I could have potentially repurpose just from having a conversation. And um, so I think there's something here that I haven't really formulated into a more articulate way, but, you know, conversation-based marketing, I, I don't know, not through chatbots, but ask people what they need help with, give them the answer and then repurpose the content. It's it's the quickest yeah. and easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, there the really is magic to it um, on all the different fronts. In, in you know, several times I've actually, this podcast, right? So I did write a book and and I, I'm i trying to get as many bands as possible before it, it dies. Um, uh-huh. Thankfully yeah. it's about strategy, so marketing strategy. Okay. So it should be, it should last a little longer but it mm-hmm. is specifically on marketing automation so as long as there is still marketing automation on the planet yeah, they're good but, but in the strategies but you're right though it like and so one of the ways i filled my book and even my brain on some of the topics that i'm not as specific on not a genius mm-hmm. on landing page optimization was just to interview people on this podcast about those yeah. topics and obviously you cite them in the book and promote those people but I've learned so much and then more recently when we were launching an ABM program at Treasure Impact internally our own
1: mm-hmm. I would
0: interview experts I mean Sangram he wrote the book he wrote two books on yeah, it and I'd be asking him yeah. dude what is x what is y how do we do this and other practitioners mm-hmm. and they're literally telling me on the podcast and I'm sure people are thinking man those are great questions Casey that's cuz they're real <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm really yeah, trying yeah. to learn this stuff
1: Absolutely absolutely and and you know you go back to marketing automation so another area that I have quite deep Uh,
0: yeah no it sounds like it
1: and it's you know every automation it's what i think what's what's really interesting if you want to learn anything quickly just understand the logic of it selling is about starting conversations in its simplest of terms it's having conversations with people what makes the conversation more valuable having answers to problems that people have that's as easy as i could sum up sales marketing automation there's a trigger a condition and an action once you know that those there's those three things with marketing automation The world of possibilities is endless. And I love tools like Zapier for this because it does open up so many things. But if you can think of everything in your business with what's the trigger, what's the condition? So the condition is usually an if this, then that statement. So if they've subscribed to my newsletter, but they haven't, and the condition is, but they haven't opened in the last six months, then the action is to maybe stop bloody sending them the newsletter. Right.
0: Um,
1: You know, but uh, condition, uh, trigger condition action any any process if you can if you can fit it into those things it could be automated
0: what is trigger for you
1: trigger okay. is when an event has happened or a time has elapsed so uh, opened an email visited the website or has been a customer for three months or a customer yeah. for one month I like that. and we even use this kind of logic in our onboarding even though we don't have a software product, we don't have uh, technology looking at behavioral based things, but um, we, we've broken down the onboarding process into several stages. At the end of every stage, it's like, Casey, we have finished, we've finished week one. Uh, in, in week one, we've done X, Y, and Z. We're super excited to get to stage two, where we're gonna be working on your topics and we're gonna be researching some podcasts. You're not gonna hear from us for a week, but don't worry. We're still doing the work behind the scenes. You'll hear from us again in 10 days' time or whatever the time frame is. And it's just con- continuously over-communicating with the customer. And I, I say this quite often in the company, it's just always communicate with the customer. If you feel you're unnaturally communicating too much, keep doing it until the customer tells you not to. Um, when the customer tells us not to, we'll say, okay, well, we're still going to talk to you. How often do you want us to communicate with you? We'll work on your terms. But until then, we're going to, And it's not saying the same thing. It's the different things that we're saying, like we're not annoying them, but, um, but yeah, it's that constant communication and and always never make the assumption um, that they know what we're doing because we know what we're doing, but they don't.
0: Yeah. And it may seem like overcommunication because you're in it all the time, but for someone who's never been there before, that might be just really reassuring. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I knew you had said that, but that was great to see that on email and, Reminded me or we know people forget too. what you said yeah. they on a phone call. Yeah, we did. But that's, well, like that's it. Yeah,
1: that, that will be the response I get from the team. So, like, oh, no, we told them when when we had the, the sales call, and yeah. I was like, that was one call in their day. It was a 30 minute call on the 15th of uh, yeah. February. You told them 15 <laughs> uh, we, things. Yeah. And that you want them to remember that one thing. And, and also, um, I, I remind my, my team and I mean it in the nicest way, like we're a tiny part of our of our customers lives we are just a really small part and actually they've outsourced the hassle to us. So it's our job to kind of make sure we do a great job, but just don't, don't take it personally when they're not responding to you. It's just because we are a service provider. We're a very good service provider, but we're just one part of their, their bigger uh, daily, uh, daily routine. So I I tell my team, like, don't get discouraged if you're not hearing back and don't be afraid of communicating more. People are busy. And uh, as a service provider, you are, lower on the the list of things that people need to get through on the day-to-day basis. And I understand that. And and we don't take it personally.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant way of approaching that. I mean, there's so many notes there on just how to do business and how to over communicate. Um, I have a hypothetical question for you. Cool. I may or may not have a time machine here in Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, Mm -hmm. It's in the backyard under a tarp. So uh, (laughs) you get to use it, you know, after COVID come visit, we'll get some lobster and, use the time machine you get to go back in time and you get to visit yourself and the time frame the trigger for this uh this action mm-hmm. here is um is a couple days after university right mm. so in, you've, you've graduated or you've <laughs> left or, so you've graduated and a couple days after in case you partied hard gave you a mm-hmm. few days after you get to go see yourself then um what kind of advice what kind of things would you tell yourself um, knowing all the places you've been and all the experiences you've had and the work you've done, what sort of tips would you give yourself? What advice?
1: Ooh, that's a great hypothetical question. Um, I personally, just before, I'm gonna, before I answer the question, like I'm very, like where I am now, I'm very happy where, with where I am and I wouldn't necessarily change anything because every decision I've made unintentionally or intentionally has made, has resulted in me being where I am right now. And I probably wouldn't change that time frame. Um, because it would you know I'm, I'm extremely content where I am I think what I would have said to myself um, I didn't always have that understanding of the more you give without expecting anything in return the more that will come out to you the more people you speak to the more you open your you, you increase your opportunity surface area for things to come your way um, and I think the, the, in in line with that I would have said build that so there's a there's a there's a blog post that I've got in my head Casey which I haven't written out yet which is almost like creating an ecosystem around you so i'll give an example in the sales world when i worked at task drive i could help people with their data and lead enrichment but they i would speak to people and they're like mark we need help with our cold emails mark we need help with training our sales reps mark we need help with onboarding we need help hiring so i was speaking to people i had my foot in the door in a very non-threatening way, and I was finding out all of these problems that people had. So I never like to put down the phone without having helped somebody. So I th- I think, well, let me go and find three companies that can help with cold email writing. Let me go and find the best recruiters for sales reps. Let me go and find some really good training for salespeople, and then I can just make introductions. And you know, I can easily turn around and say, I haven't, I, I can't help you with that, but these are people that I trust, I vetted for you going and speak to them some of them i might make a referral fee others i don't i can tell you which ones i do i can tell you which ones i don't or we can you can just go blindly and do it i'm not doing it for the monetary value um so that's what i did at task so I, i anybody that came to me no matter what problem they had to do with sales i was able to introduce them to the various people that they needed to to speak to to help them again didn't have to do that could have just gone that's not a sale phone down <laughs> mm. but that, that's not my mentality and I think had I take me back to a few days after graduating I would have said Mark build up build that value network around you sooner and much and and much larger because it grows uh, you know every week every month um, but if I did that eight years before I started doing it it would be a huge network and I'd probably be a lot more monetary wealthy um than, than i am than i am now because it would have had years of, of compounding interest to it Does, yeah did that make sense it's yeah i don't know whether that was a, yeah okay
0: you know and what's interesting is almost no one in fact no one has has ever asked to alter their past which is really interesting no one's ever you know is you know, the back to the future movies with yeah yeah, yeah. you know like don't Martin don't change the, the the future your sister will disappear on the photo and all No it maybe that's not actually a risk because no one has suggested that they want to change any of that it's almost like there's that understanding that that's led you mm-hmm. to where you're at now maybe it's because the people we talk to are successful but still people have had their lumps you know we've all we've all had our bumps and whatnot. But everyone, yeah, it's almost like they respect the past, and but they, they're almost, almost encouraging yourself to do more of something as opposed to less of
1: something. Absolutely, yeah. Add, add to something that. So I, I'll open up a little bit here. My yeah. co-founder Jakob, he's a little bit uh, younger than me. I think he's uh, 26. I'm 33. Lived a little bit longer than him. Um, unfortunately, um, I've had some friends who have passed away uh, between here and uh, from uni until now. Um, so my attitude to to work and stuff, yeah, I'm I'm busy. I have lots of different businesses, but I would say to Jakob, after seven, I'm not replying to you, and I mean that. I mean that in a very loving and caring way. I'll reply to you tomorrow, but I'm not going to talk work. I'm not going to talk shop after seven. I'm going to switch off, switch switch off mentally and switch off the laptop. Um, if I'm hanging out with friends, I never have my phone. I'm, I'm I like I'm not sorry. I have my phone on me, but I'm not looking at my phone. I'm very present in the moments I that I have. And I think I've learned that because I've realized that life is very short and uh, it can change very drastically, very quickly. And working with uh, Jakob, who hasn't experienced that, I am trying to, and he wouldn't mind me sharing this with you. I'm trying to say to him, like, don't work over the weekend. Just no one's going to die. Um, there's always going to be more stuff that we need to do. Um, if you don't do something right now, it's not going to ruin the business. Just find that time to to, to step back and rest and recuperate and, and recharge it's really really important because you could die tomorrow and uh, if you died and you were busy and very re- feeling really stressed all the time then uh, isn't a life worth living
0: so mark that is not a normal thing that's a really cool behavior that you've adopted almost the, the status quo is you're addicted i mean sometimes I'll, even the drama of work you know mm-hmm. like oh a little endorphin hit like oh, oh it's bad news it's good news but either way it's news and i want to look at it Sorry, I have to excuse myself from dinner with my friends because something's burning. You know, like yeah. did how was it gradual or was it sudden? You decided just uh, like fuck off after seven, or where did that go? Yeah, from? it's
1: it's really gradual, and you know, it's it's not every night. In in fact, last night we had so much going on that so many fires uh, to to put out across the various things that I was running. And actually, I need side note tax sorting out tax residency in Portugal oh, God. very last minute. Had yeah. to go and sort it out this morning. That's what I was like uh, dealing with last night. I was supposed to meet a friend for uh, for, for, for dinner, and I and I cancelled because I was like, Look, I'm I'm so swamped with this thing that I actually have to do tomorrow. I can't." So it, it you know no no life is perfect. You can't no, control everything. Sure. But I think where the, the big changing point for me, Casey, was the first lockdown. So this time last year, my freedom was completely My freedom, you know, very privileged freedom of being sure, able sure. to travel Still. anywhere. Um, it was taken away, and I was like, well, I can't do anything about it. The government is saying you have to stay in. You've got to go to the shop between this time and that time. It's out of my control, so just accept it. And that acceptance, and then I applied that kind of acceptance to other things in, in my life, like personal and, and work, and I've just become a lot more... Um, I'm extremely uh, driven, and another friend asked me, you know, how, how do you manage all these businesses, but also still find time to switch off? And I say, I say no to things and Mm -hmm. if i don't feel like doing something and i'm forcing myself to do it and i'm tired and i just don't have the the mental capacity or the spark left i just won't do it but it's not because i'm lazy it's just that i know that this isn't the best use of my time right now and if i need to turn the laptop off at five and just watch some netflix just because i need to recharge a little bit fine like i go for walks and come up with some really creative ideas that's where i get the ideas it's not me sitting at this laptop going all right be creative mark be creative so you just, I've just learned I have to give myself that space. And I think it's really just learning what works for you. I don't know about you, Casey, morning routines. I was so stressed that I didn't have a morning routine because I felt like that's what I had to have. Mm. Like you wake up, you meditate for five minutes, you then stretch for 15, you then drink this drink. And, and I was like, <laughs> oh, crap, I don't have one. I, I must need one. And then after a little bit of trial and, uh, trial and error, I was just like, I don't need one. Right. I, I, don't, I, I don't, I, just because that's what the blog post says, or, um, you know, I'm a very logical and process orientated person. So I'm always like, well, what's the steps that I need to follow. And sometimes right. there, there isn't, it's just understanding intu- like from an in- intuitive point of view, what works for you and, and what doesn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> you
0: are, you're, you are a, a gentleman and a scholar.
1: You're a, you're <laughs> a philosopher
0: Casey. King. I should rename the show philosopher Kings like in Queens. It's, it's really cool to um, to see like the you that's driven and you can see why all these things happen is because you're driven, but you, you're, you're always constantly challenging it and balancing it out. Yeah. And I, I, and I've not own. been
1: asked any of these questions. So um, really, really good for me to just riff and completely yeah. off the cuff, come up with the answer. So thank you. Thanks for pushing me.
0: Well, for me, it's the real person, right? It, it's fun to, you know, pick up a strategy or two with marketing and then just understand people and yeah it helps connect i think you get more empathy for people someone was like what kind of games can i play with my company to get more empathy with my team and it's like well empathy comes from knowing more about someone so mm-hmm. just try to play some games where they learn more about each other and then that that can come naturally just the more you know so i, I feel like i know you so much better now and definitely um, I'm, I'm looking what, forward
1: to this ticks. beer and, and, and the time machine as well yes
0: <laughs> yes beer time machine lobster all that. Hey, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out? Throw out social platforms, throw out URLs, all that jazz.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Uh, so I'm Mark Colgan. There's not too many on there. Um, so if you connect with me on LinkedIn, just let me know that you uh, heard me on the hardcore Core marketing uh, podcast. And then um, markcolgan.co.uk is the best place to find out the various different projects i'm involved in and, the, and the, they all have links to the various uh pages and, and whatnot but yeah reach out to me on linkedin i'm more than happy to chat
0: does it have a little pin that says where you're currently at like currently in portugal lisbon yeah
1: no i did. i did try doing it and i'd always forget to update it you, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah um but uh no i need to update linkedin to say lisbon I, i'll do that this afternoon Awesome, man.
0: What, well, dude? I really appreciate you coming on here. It's been great to learn from you and chat and just shoot the shit and um, really get to know you.
1: I've really enjoyed it, Casey, and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation too. So, thank you so much.
0: Hell yeah! Podcasts are here to stay, man. They're they're going Indeed. to the sky. It's the next rocket ship. So, <laughs> I look forward to being this in this uh, this ecosystem with you in this ride. So Certainly,
1: fun. cool. Cheers, Casey. Thank well, you hey, so much.
0: for those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time.